It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. hit the road 94.3 the game is going to get you home and the p-man's not holding back yes yes pirates win pirates win bring on the patrick johnson show on 94.3 the game holy mackerel oh my goodness the flagship station of the ecu pirates ben i i should have had you today go with something that is uh, a little bit. Oh, you're of, uh, you're already over it, huh? No, no, no. Because I'm I'm on the working vacation. By the way, I got a little feedback coming to me, a little echo. Everything I'm saying is echoing. Oh, there we go. There we go, Ben. Now you're 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 you got it in the spot where I want it now, Ben. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, welcome. I'm not sure how I felt about that. That was uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you had the working man's beach, and you're going crazy I, over there. I am at the Working Man's Beach uh, for the week. Uh, I, it is a working vacation, so I'm indeed putting the uh, work in uh, in the Working Man's Beach, uh, coming to you from Surf City. I yeah, viewed it I mean, as a you've last. Barely year. been on the beach. You've been just busy. I, not busy. Not barely. Have not been to the beach yet. So that's that's a little disappointing. Or at least going to get a mouth uh, cannon by the end of the week. Uh, maybe this evening. I haven't decided yet. There we go. Um, boy, today's just gorgeous down here, and. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're we're. It's kind of the last hurrah, the last extended period uh, before really football fires up in earnest, and uh, we've got a ton of football stuff today. Uh, we've also got a premier event which uh, kind of kicks off tonight, and then the games tomorrow going on in Greenville. That is the uh, Little League Softball World Series. You broadcast from Stallings Stadium in Elm Street Park. The Pitt County team will play a team uh, representing the West tomorrow. Uh, you can watch it on ESPN Plus if you can't make it out. That's at 4 o'clock. Remember last year, they were really unable to have anything beyond the domestic teams, if you will. Uh, they've added a couple of more from around the uh, Fruited Plain. And then Italy, Puerto Rico, Philippines, and Canada, A, are uh, represented in this. Uh, I actually talked to Scoot on Friday night briefly, uh, Ben. Scooter, and, he was great uh, last yeah, week with us. Yeah, I, I uh, he he said he enjoyed everything. I, I didn't catch the show. Thank you for filling in. Really appreciate it. Anytime, anytime, uh, no problem. Uh, Philip, the ref, Pilkington too, and then also uh, Cookie was there. Uh, Chris producing, doing a great job. Uh, ben Byram, by the way, is uh, in the hizzle today. Ben B Baby Byram is uh, is with us here. Hi, Ben. Henry called me Big Baby in the hallway. Depending on who you talk to, that might be that might be fitting. <laughs> What is, yeah? What is that? Uh, he, I think he's confused as to the nickname. It's B Baby, and, and, he, I, and I, I tried gonna, to explain it, and he couldn't. He couldn't understand. Yeah. He kept saying well, Big he, Baby. I was like, all right, you know, yeah, yeah whatever. Right. Well, look, call as long as he writes the name on the check and endorses, you, you call you whatever. Yeah, right? call me whatever. As long as I get that, get that money. I mean, I yeah, yeah. I'm well, Big long Baby. As Ben's getting that. Long as Ben's getting that paper, I'll be, be Big, Big baby, baby at payday. Look, I'm not real. I, I, I'm going to not lie to you. I did not like the B baby Monica. I didn't quite understand, but I, I've it's grown I've, on you, huh? Well, it's grown. Well, you, like a fungus. Yes, it has grown. <laughs> and uh, and I'm not wild about the C squared thing. But again, I understand you kids have your lingo. I think he's loving Cookie though. I mean, I think he's kind of adopted Cookie a little bit. So I kind of like that name for him. Yeah, I Cookie's like the name better. Cookie for him. 
By the way, uh, you played the uh, drop there with uh, my main man, Fitzpatrick J. Um, apparently, he'll be back. Uh, he, he's coming He's coming to the Working Man's Beach to, to hang with Uncle P. Mania. He was at camp. Bit. He's got to tell you all about camp. <laughs> this kid goes to more camps than a five-star prospect. It's the, it's the damnedest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. So he's already getting off. He's, uh, oh, it's, yeah, it's for something. So uh, I don't know if he'll be here in enough time to be on the show. But he might may, he might be on Talk of the Town this week. He might. He might appear with me on on, on TOT this week. Uh, let's see. We have uh, intern Abby in the Hizzle, too. What's up, Abigail? Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I could tell. How was your weekend, Abby? Was everything good? You were out working hard. Yeah, it was good. My boyfriend left for the Army yesterday. What? I know, yeah. So that was like the weekend for me. This guy's been leaving for months. I, th I thought he left a month ago. No, I All know. Right, it well. took forever. It, he finally got shipped off. Finally. Okay. Well, do we know where or do they not tell you that? No, he's in Georgia, Fort Benning, Georgia. Okay. You know, Ben's brother has done this, right? Yeah. I talked to him. He's like my main source of military info. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a while since you've seen Ben's going to see his brother later this month. and It'll be the first time in a year, Ben. Is yeah, that right? It's, it's been a while. It's going to be bittersweet. You know, I might yeah. be a big baby well, be, when it happens. You might be a big baby when you see him. Ben, Yeah, Ben's going late, so God bless uh, Ben's Ben. Ben's here, and I'm with Jay Trose, head coach. Oh, there we go. What is that? And I don't know where that came then, from. I, I, turned, <laughs> I took my headphones off, and that popped up. Abby, what are you doing? Are you pressing buttons over there, Abby? Is that what's going on? Uh, but, uh, yeah, intern Abby's uh, boyfriend also going, so God bless them both. All right. Uh, well, we have uh, a really great guest today. I'm very excited about this. Uh, Doug Martin, who was uh, Steve Logan's offensive coordinator for a good majority of uh, Coach Logan's run in the mid-90s uh, on to the early 2000s. He's also been the head coach at uh, Kent State. He's also been the head coach uh, at New Mexico State, led them to their first bowl in about six decades. Uh, coached out his tenure there and now is retired living down in Emerald Isle. Well, I say retired. He's not coaching this year, but they have sought residency in uh, Emerald Isle. They have a home there, so that's really cool. And uh, we're going to talk to uh, Coach Martin, a real nice guy. Uh, going to talk to Doug coming up in, in a little bit. Ben, um, you know who uh, Coach Martin coached at Kent State, don't you? Uh, Julian Edelman. That's the only guy I know that went yep. to Kent State. Yep. yep. Coach Julian Edelman at Kent State. So we'll ask him a Famer? little bit about that coming up. Edelman? Yeah. MVP of a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, he's one How of many the rings? better playoff guys. He's what he's got, like three? Three or four? Three? Did he do enough? Did he do enough in the regular season? Uh, he was like barely a thousand yards every year, like just under a thousand yards, it seemed like every year. See, I I think you can't – I don't think you can put him in uh, – this is going to sound so crazy. You know, because what's one thing we hold against guys? Rings, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we do, but we don't. Like Barkley didn't need a ring to be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely, Ewing yeah. didn't need a ring to be a Hall – I'm, I'm talking basketball here, of course. Well, I'll, I'll even settle it on uh, – football. Marino, Hall of Famer. Um. Before he won those two at the end of his career, which he didn't have a great deal to do with, to do with, Elway was a Hall of Famer, right? 
Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that prior yeah, to those absolutely. two? Yeah. I mean, Elway's, I mean, some people still put him on the Mount Rushmore, so. Yeah, I think those two at the end of his career really did a whole lot to, you know, kind of uh, help his resume there, that. his legacy. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw another one out. Jim Kelly, Hall of Famer, right? There you go. Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts. I mean, guys that don't have a ring but are Hall of, Fame, Hall of Famers. So I think, you know, and this is the interesting shift in, in recent years. Guys who have rings, we're, we're, we're more into that now than we might have been at any point. Not saying it wasn't important before, but we could look at Marino's career, and it wasn't defined by the fact he didn't have a ring so much as just the great numbers he put up. Now, it's kind of like, well, he doesn't have a ring, but it doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. Again, Edelman is one of those guys, yeah, he's got rings. He was the Super Bowl MVP, but Robert Ory's got a lot of rings. I don't know if I'd put Robert Ory in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, great point. No, I completely agree with you. He's one of the better playoff performers of all time, but, I mean, how much do you take that into account when you look at his overall body of work during the, wee, during I mean, the season? At, he's just another receiver. But I'll go back to those aforementioned Broncos, Terrell Davis. Yeah. You know, for that little stretch, he was the best player in the NFL, at least the best running back. Didn't last very long, though. No. But he had an impact. So I guess, you know, does Edelman I, – I would say no. I would say Eli more so than Edelman if, if we're, you know, comparing there. But I'm against Eli in the Hall of Fame, but I actually agree with that point. I don't think either yeah. belong, but Eli has more of a case than Edelman does. Sure. But, I mean, it doesn't take away from the fact that he is, as you say, a great playoff performer and in crunch time on those really good Patriots teams was – was really something. So we're going to talk to Coach about that. Again, uh, the Little League Softball World Series gets underway tomorrow. We'll have a report going on uh, for the 4 o'clock game tomorrow. We'll update you on the scores of the early games. All the action gets underway at 10. There's a game at 1, and then the 4 o'clock game involving uh, the Pitt County team. All right, why don't we grab a break? We'll come back, and we will get uh, our pirate report going. And uh, when we do that, we'll uh, run down comments from this weekend that Coach Houston had. Uh, we also heard from the running back duo of Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris and others. We'll get to it all as time allows. Ben with an update later on, Panthers, and uh, it looked like Baker Mayfield had a few things to say today. So we'll uh, maybe get to some of that a little bit uh, later on, and then uh, a good majority of the uh, back half of the show will be uh, spent with Coach Doug Martin. Looking forward to catching up with him. So all of that's still to come on this Monday version of the Patrick Johnson Show. Stay with us. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to The Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it. Or tell your smart speaker to stream 943 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Just follow me. We're doing it for the ground. Check out pics from the PJ Show and more. Picks from around Pirate Nation. 94.3 The Game, now on Instagram. I uh, won't have a chance to get to it today, but uh, Ben talked with uh, some of the coaches from uh, Rose and Conley, our guy Nate Connor, and... Uh, 
the new coach, Kendrick Parker, uh, at uh, South Central. And then, uh, of course, uh, we, we say Rose, we mean uh, ECU football alum, our great friend Will Bland. Uh, that conference today uh, had their, their media day. And uh, so we'll get to some of that tomorrow. Newburn was picked to win the Big Carolina Football Conference. Havelock was picked second. Coach Wooten jetted out as soon as uh, the thing ended, didn't he? He got out of there. He was mad. He he was upset he wasn't picked first. I, only I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of um, a lot of jokes we could make there. But um, Newburn, Havelock, Rose, Jacksonville, Conley, South Central, and Northside. I mean, that good grief. That's quite a Talk conference. About deep. I was gonna say that's pretty deep group right there. Because I mean those. You know, I think Conley's going to be pretty good. They got big numbers. Coach Connor's done a great job there. Those top four are in everybody's kind of running or discussion to to be a, a state champion. So, gosh, that's that's pretty. I mean, Rose made it there last year. Havelock's won them. Newburn's won them in the past. I mean, Rose has two. Jacksonville was really good last year. Got a real deep run. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, so you can check that out on uh, the social media and. Uh, and have some of that audio for you. Uh, in addition to some more pirate audio tomorrow, but right now, here is uh, our pirate report audio from the weekend. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Coach Houston says the guys are getting a little aggressive. Second day in shells. Uh, it's been a, I mean, we have pushed them. It's been a challenging four days uh, to start camp, which is what we wanted. Um, I think we've seen a ton of good stuff. Uh, we've had to, you know, coach our tails off on some stuff. Um, you know, one thing that's obvious is, uh, you know, it's a bunch that competes. Uh, it's a very aggressive team. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a bunch when you put something on it now, they go at each other. So uh, that's a good thing, okay? Um, just have to remind them a little bit that, uh, you know, the second game day in September, you know, when, uh, on, the, on the first day in shells. So, uh, but, uh, you know, positive start. And uh, then Coach Houston was asked if the install is going faster with so many players returning. I, yeah, probably so. Because, now, we've, we've piled a lot in there in, uh, in four days. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff in both sides of the ball. Um, and, you know, with the first unit, you know, there, it's pretty smooth. Uh, now, you, there's obviously wrinkles, uh, the new receivers, uh, you know, the stuff we still got to iron out. But uh, we've thrown a lot at them in four days. Speaking of uh, new receivers, how is the camp going for Georgia transfer Jalen Johnson? Well, he's made several plays uh, the first four days. Uh, I think he's making the contested catches. Uh, much better right now than he did in the spring. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with uh, being healthy. Uh, but I think he's ran really well. Um, now, all of them are a little dead led today. I mean, it, we had some heat there the first two days. It cooled off a little bit yesterday, but we had the heat back this morning. So uh, all of them are a little dead legged. But, uh, but I think he's, he's had a good start to camp. Today's Pirate Report here on the Patrick Johnson Show. This is Coach talking about all of the positives so far in pirate preseason camp i don't know i mean i've, I've pretty had pretty high expectations coming into camp and i think that uh we've we've met a lot of those um you know just standing up here i think that uh you know the backs are exactly what i said at the first day i mean after two days and pads they're exactly what i expected them to be you know going into this year um 
think our offensive line had a good day today. Uh, now, yesterday they kind of got dotted a little bit in our first kind of competitive, uh, you know, uh, competition situation, you know, run, play, action, pass deal. I mean, the defense, but I mean, I'm telling you, that defense is pretty salty. You know, all those guys are back. They play with an edge to them, a lot of energy. Uh, they like to run and hit. They feed off each other. So uh, it's it's going to be good. I mean, that's why I told them. I said, when we go when we go good on good out there, you're not going against chopped meat over there on the other side of the football. So you know you're going to improve, and we need each other. And that's that's one thing we focused on today is, you know, we had a pot, some pod work where it's basically live O line versus D line, uh, you know, half line kind of stuff. Uh, and you know those D linemen they need that double team. They need to get you know holding off that double team, not getting knocked off the ball. The offensive line they need that you know fight from the defense. So. I think there's just so many positives, you know, the first four days of practice. Uh, good question. Good answer there. There's some really uh, sort of uh, quest for relevancy questions being asked. And and then uh, the questioners perhaps expose themselves when they have to discuss the real task at hand here. And you get kind of silly answers. So let's let's move to one here, Ben. I know that's close to your heart. Uh, and this is uh, the running back room. You know, we like to talk about the rooms a lot. Oh, yeah. And People this love is, the running is, back room. It's almost like well, the running back. It. Right. The running back room, you know, back in the day, Ben, you would go, you'd want to go to the boom, boom room. You know, you'd want to. Yeah, you know, I've seen life. Kind of, yeah. And, and you couldn't get in the boom, boom room or maybe it was hard to find. And I got to think this running back room is like the boom, boom room. It's just an open door, apparently, good. though. Everybody's in it. I don't know. Well, no, I think guys are, want to get in it. They, they want to get in it, but they're they're not cool enough to right. get in it. That's why there's a lot of questions asking what's going on, because they want to know what's going on in the room because they aren't in the room. You see what I'm saying? They probably want to know what shoes they're wearing. What kind of shoes are they wearing out there in that running back room? I, I've never thought of that. Um, all right, so the battle for the third running back. Because then you got to have more than one running back in the running back room. So, uh, Coach Houston on the battle for the third running back. You know, the competition right now is for who's the third back. Uh, there's no doubt we got two number ones. You know, so they'll take care of, you know, those carries right there. Um, and we're, we're trying to figure out who number three is. And, you know, honestly, it's, a, it's, it's probably a three-man competition right now. Uh, and there's been some positives by all of them. Uh, Coach was asked about. Shane Calhoun, the tight end. Yeah, and, and I've talked to both of them, and I've talked in particular to Shane. Shane is a dang good football player. Shane is going to be one of the better tight ends in this league before he leaves East Carolina. He's going to be a very good player for us this year. Uh, I think he's improved over what he was last year. He had a huge catch. We had a third down competition at the end of practice where it's a, kind of a one-play deal. We had five shots. The winner's best three out of five. You know, the first, first play – you know, he's running a stick route, and he's got a safety bearing down on him. He's got a linebacker coming at him. He knows he's going to get hit, okay? So tough catch. He makes the catch, makes the first down. So he's a veteran guy, even though he's still got multiple years of, of uh, eligibility left. Um, but he, he's a good football player. Coach Houston on Holt Nailers, wanting him to enjoy his final season in the purple and gold. Well, I just I want him to go out and just kind of play, you know, without a whole lot of weight on his shoulders. Uh, expect him to go out and lead us. Um, you know, I wish him all the success in the world. Uh, I told him, I said, I hope you throw for 4,000 yards because if you do, we've had a great year. But uh, I don't want to sit here and put, you know, any kind of statistical measurements on him. I just hope he goes out, has fun, plays to the very best of his ability, 
and, and enjoys this year with his teammates because, you know, the loose and relaxed Holt Nailers is a darn good quarterback. I'm anxious to uh, get Coach Martin's uh, thoughts on Holt Nailers when we talk to Doug Martin coming up in just a little bit. Uh, ben, we probably got a couple minutes before we got to go to get your update so we can get Coach Martin on. Um, I'm going to uh, – I think we get through the most of this Keaton Mitchell stuff. We might save some of the rest of it for tomorrow. Uh, so let's go with uh, Keaton Mitchell talking about uh, the young backs. Yeah, so uh, me and Rajay, we just push all the other backs every day. Uh, you know, they're trying to learn the playbook and everything, so we're helping them out with that. And today they look good today. They're learning the plays better. It was better than yesterday. So, yeah, we just teaching them, letting them know what's going on. And, yeah. Uh, Keaton Mitchell there, he also uh, said that uh, he is motivated after last season. Uh, my dad always told me, keep that chip on my shoulder. Uh, don't never lose that chip. So, uh, And with Rajay behind me, like, my spot never solidified. And, like, we both number one, so, like, I just got to keep going, keep pushing him. He pushing me. I don't want to create a controversy, Ben, but he said Rajay behind him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird to think. Rajay was the guy at first, <laughs> then Keaton was, and he's I mean, going to be the guy I this year. I don't want to I don't want to start something. But he did say Rajay behind him. He did Coach say they're both ones, though. 1A, 1B. Well, that's what I mean. But, I mean, A does come before B. Hey, we don't stir a lot of stuff up. We can stir this up. Uh, let's see here. Keaton Mitchell talks about where he needs to improve. Really, my pass protection. Like, everybody look at me as a small back. So, like, if I perfect my passing game, then I'd be a, a way better running back. And he was asked how, just how you'll get better at uh, uh, pass protection. Uh, we're going in on pass protection, um, just knowing what's going on in the defense, knowing when the bl uh, blitz coming, knowing who doing what, looking at the safeties, and also getting stronger, yes, sir. All right. Uh, always anonymous text line to Ben and myself. I want to play in the boom-boom room. Well, that's the point. Everybody does. Yeah, that's I mean, that's why they right. That's I mean, the running back room is the boom-boom room, and everybody wants to be in it. I've seen it. I've Especially seen it. I didn't get to go in. in. I got to see it. You? Oh, you did get to see it. Okay, I didn't realize that. Well, good, good, good. Yeah, good. yeah. They I, actually uh... have rooms for like position groups. Oh, so there is an actual physical room. Yeah, yeah. But I think they—they're not referring to the room. They're referring to the position group and just decide to use rooms for some reason. As like a you uh, don't say it's a, really? okay. I, all right, hey, I had to break it down for people. I'm sorry. I mean, it might get a little lost. <laughs> Taking them on a little journey here, you know. I think you want to go in the running back room. I, I think you do. That's what I think. Sounds uh, pretty right, cool in there. I would, I would love it. Well, again, if it's like the boom boom room, I'm I'm down. I want to be there. If Apparently, the that's boom, the place everybody wants to be. I mean, it would be nice if I can get in there before everybody else. Got a ways to go to get you can get in the boom boom room. <laughs> I do got a ways to go. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, I tell you what, you can build towards that entree into the boom boom room by giving us a sports update. Now, how about that? Let's do it. We'll uh, connect with Doug Martin while Ben is giving you uh, these uh, nuggets of goodness with a ninety-four-three. The game sports flash update. 
Thanks, Patrick. This 94 Through the Game Sports Update is presented by Team Boneyard. In the meantime, let's get right into it. As we're getting getting underway tomorrow, the Little League Softball World Series from Greenville, ESPN's Family Networks will begin broadcasting the first global iteration of the event from Stalling Stadium at Elm Street Park. This year's event features two more U.S. teams and opens up the field to four international teams representing Italy, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, and Canada. The county team will take on the West team Tuesday at 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. The Big Carolina Conference held their preseason football coaches poll at Parker's Barbecue. Newburn was projected to finish first with 30 points. Havelock came in second and Jay Trode in third. We caught up with Rose head coach Will Bland with his thoughts on the projection. It is, it is, because now you got you get that bullseye taken off your head now that you are picked third, but um, it's also going to motivate the guys because, you know, in their head, they made it all the way to the state championship game, so they they in there. We should be number one, but, you know, it's, it's, it's 16 games to get back there, so if they can go out there and keep that, that little aspect and that little thing on the show, then I think we have a successful year this year. Conley was voted fifth, while South Central was next to last at sixth overall. ECU football taking a break from preseason practice on Sunday, and the Pirates will get back at it today as they're inside of a month until the season opener against NC State. With top backs Keith Mitchell and Rajay Harris back for East Carolina, the ground game is certain to be a productive part of what the Pirates will do on offense. Harris is talking about the improvement on the O-line for ECU and better blocking all the way around. I don't I don't so, date it for this is my third year, so it's not too bad, honestly. I'm just trying to motivate the young guys to keep going no matter what. You know, just just have that confidence each day. Just get one percent better. Billy Caldwell has been named head coach for the East Carolina Cross Country Program. Caldwell arrives in Greenville following two seasons as an assistant coach at Robert Morris University. The Panthers are back at training camp today from Wofford College. Marquise Haynes, the defensive end, was carted off the field after suffering a knee injury Saturday, but has returned in a red jersey and reportedly uh, missed out on uh, potentially suffering serious damage. They, he is listed as day-to-day as we speak. All reports out of camp so far indicate it's Baker Mayfield's job to lose at quarterback. We'll keep you updated on that. As Matt Rule came out and said he will announce a starter after the third preseason game this year. Kevin Harvick found himself back in victory lane in Michigan after winning the Fireskeeper Casino 400. Harvick held off Bubba Wallace for the win while Denny Hamlin took third. It's the fourth win in five races at the track for Harvick. The number four car won three straight races from 2018 to 2020 at Michigan International Speedway. Meanwhile, from the NBA, Kevin Durant was requested a trade from Brooklyn, but will stay on the condition that if it's that head coach Steve Nash gets fired and Tommy Kim is celebrating a win at the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. Kim finished atop the leaderboard at 20 under par after shooting a 61 in the final round. Harold Vaughn III is currently tied for 48th place on the FedEx Cup playoff list. The first playoff event starts this week in Memphis. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. Brought to you by Team Boneyard. Team Boneyard is an initiative launched by ECU alumni, donors, fans, and former athletes designed to help facilitate NL opportunities for ECU student-athletes in a safe and compliant way. For more info and to donate, visit teamboneyard.org. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. We'll hear from Doug Martin on the other side of this quick timeout. But first, what's up, P-Man? Just announced. Wow, a little bit of breaking news here, Ben. A little bit of a little bit of a, a, a breaking news situation. Uh, the uh, oh, here we go. This is a special report on ninety-four-three. The game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Here's Patrick oh, look Johnson. at this. Oh, whoa, fanciness. 
Uh, 15,100 season tickets sold for uh, ECU football. Mike Houston just tweeting that out in the last hour. How about that? Wow. Hey, so there you go, a little breaking news. going to be packed. We already knew it was going to be, but now we got that affirmation there. Well, but, but I mean, that amount of season tickets sold is a uh, – and, and more to be sold, quite frankly. All right, uh, so we'll get more into that tomorrow. Um, but that's a big story uh, here that uh, we just uh, got uh, word in on. All right, uh, let us uh, break. We'll come back. As Ben said, Doug Martin on the other side. appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us more of the patrick johnson show is coming up on your flagship home of the ecu pirates we are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching 94.3 the game and 94.3 the game.com tweet at us hey you want to see our tweets that's creeping me out Follow us on Twitter for breaking sports news and what's going on around the Pirate Nation. We need you guys on Twitter. Twitter. It's 943 The Game on Twitter. From one end of the coast of North Carolina to the other, as uh, we welcome in uh, a name familiar to many, many people uh, in eastern North Carolina and Pirate Nation, Doug Martin joining us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Coach, how are you? Patrick, I'm great. Back in North Carolina, what a better can't be in a better place, right? We need to find a place to meet here this week, and we'll just get lunch. I don't know what the midway point between Emerald Isle and the Working Man's Beach Surf City is, but we'll find it, and then we'll bill the lunch to Henry. How does that sound? No doubt. There's got to be a barbecue place in there somewhere, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. You, so let's let's get into that right there. You're in you're in North Carolina. I don't want to say retired, just enjoying. The trappings of the Crystal Coast, I guess. Yeah, you know, Vicky and I always wanted, my wife always wanted to uh, retire back to North Carolina. And uh, I reached the end of my time at New Mexico State where I was the head coach. And uh, I was going to coach my contract out there, which ended last year. And so we wanted to take some time. And I've got my mom, who's 93 and is an assisted living area down here in Swansboro. I need to spend some time with her. And so the timing is just good for me to step away for at least a year. Well, what have you been up to? Because, I mean, we're, look, you're at the time of the year where for what, the last, well, really your whole professional life, you're in camp right now. So so what what is different for you now down there? Yeah, it's been unique. I mean, you've done a lot of fishing, enjoying that a lot. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> what's, biting, what's biting right now? Well, a lot of flounder, actually, right okay. now. Red drum is always good down here, so... That, that stuff's been great. And I've got my younger son down here, uh, lives in outside Swansboro. And they, he and his wife just had their first uh, baby. So that's our fourth grandchild. And we're really excited about that. And, uh, so visiting a lot of schools, though, I'm going to watch a lot of teams practice. Yeah, I've been asked to consult by a couple of different schools on their offense and things like that. So mm-hmm. going to do a little bit of that just to keep my hands in it. So I got you. It seems like you're too young to have four grandkids, but, uh, <laughs> well, my wife looks a lot younger <laughs> than me coaching ages you in a hurry. Yeah. Doug Martin is uh, with us here. Of course, uh, coach New Mexico state. Uh, he was involved, uh, uh, well, ECU, Kent state, uh, Boston college. There's, there's plenty to talk about. Uh, with a uh, coach in his career. Uh, so yeah, this time of year, normally you're in, you're in camp, uh, gosh, going back, uh, you know, 30 years now, 35 years now, almost. Uh, so is this a little bit of a weird, different kind of feel for you? 
You know, uh, Patrick, I tell you, I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the time off. You know, coaching is a grind, and it's really become a grind with some of the new rules and things that have been put in place. You know, recruiting never ends now because of the transfer portal and those type of things. You're always having to do roster management. So I've really not missed that very much. I miss the relationship with the players and being on the field with those guys and things like that. But the other parts of especially being a head coach is is something I was looking forward to stepping away from. Yeah, and – Look, I have to imagine even in this day and age, an already difficult profession uh, maybe has gotten a little more difficult uh, in, in far, as far as what you just mentioned, roster management. No question. I mean, the, the transfer you know, portal obviously has really changed the game. And I worry about a lot of things. I think it's really hurting high school football. And that's one of the things that the powers that be don't really look at all the time. But a lot of kids in high school are not getting recruited like they used to because coaches are recruiting out of that transfer portal so much. So there's a lot of scholarships that are being lost on the high school kids. You're no longer, you know, when I went to New Mexico state, it was a program that had not won in 57 years. And we put in a plan that we were going to go to Texas. We were close to Texas and we were going to really recruit those high schools there and build a program over the long haul. And we did that. And the first class we, recruited they became seniors and they got us to a bowl game first bowl game in 57 years and won it you can't do that anymore because you know those players are going to leave I think it's average right now 24 players leave each year off of uh, an FBS football team and that's hard to replace so every year you're just working on roster management roster management you got to recruit your own players every year to make sure they're coming back and it's really changed the game on the flip side of that too is um You've, you've got to replenish that, as you say, and look, you're in a win-now business. No matter how much goodwill you've built up, no matter how much of a, of a game plan you have when you come in, you know this better than anybody, Coach. It's win-now. So you've got to decide, all right, do I want to build it like you did at New Mexico State, or is it so instant gratification? All right, I need to be in the portal as well. Yeah, and there's no question. You have to be in the portal at this point. Uh, I really don't think you can do – what we did at that time and what we did when I was at East Carolina, you know, building a program through high school recruiting and redshirting kids and developing them uh, for a variety of reasons. One is, you know, you develop those kids and they get really good. They're going to be recruited by other schools now. You know, I mean, Alabama's the Clemson's of the world. They're actually telling kids that, you know, we can't take you in this recruiting class, but, you know, go to New Mexico state, go to East Carolina, develop and then a couple of years get in the transfer portal and then we'll sign you. And that's, that's hard to hang on. It's hard to build programs when you're having to deal with those type of things. It's uh, like I say, it's really changed the game. Coach Doug Martin uh, with us here on the Patrick Johnson show, uh, enjoying uh, full-time resident residency, at least uh, this, this year, at least this season, at least as a native of Carteret County and Emerald Isle. So he's fishing, he's living a good life on the coast Coach, if I could do this, I'd be right there with you. We're, we're in Surf City for the week. I am at least doing the show. I'd be right there with you. If I, every day, I'd be, I'd be right there if, if, if I could. So I, I don't blame you. Um, you know, go back to that high school point that you make. I, I mean, your, your resume kind of, uh, you know, resembles this approach. You're, you're sort of hitting them where they ain't if you're uh, at a place like East Tennessee State or, or ECU or New Mexico State and, and Kent State even. Uh, in other no. words, yeah, I mean, the the, the blue the, you want blue chippers, but it's more about getting 
diamonds in the rough and developing them, that, that's kind of gone, isn't it? Well, it, it is. It's becoming harder. I'll say that. But that, that's how you have to win at group of five. You know, a group of five teams, you know, you're not going to go beat North Carolina and North Carolina State in recruiting very often. You may occasionally, but not enough to build a team. You've got to go find the guys that have something extra to them. You know, when I was at Kent State, we found Julian Edelman out in California. We were the only school to offer him a scholarship. Well, you know, at that time, Julian, I think he was a one-star player. Well, guess what? He became a five-star. <laughs> but, but, you know, he did that over developing with us for three years, and, and we got him out of junior college. He had three years left. But, you know, in today's game, I wonder if Julian would have even stayed, you know, because he had a couple of good years with us, or one for his first year was really good. You know, would someone like an Ohio State go offer him NIL money to transfer now? And we may not have had him all that time. So right, right. there's a lot of differences there. I, I think it's sad. I think we're teaching kids, you know, to not want to handle adversity. If things go wrong, they just look for another place to go. It's, you know, APR used to be a big thing, right? Yep. The mm -hmm. academic progress rate. Well, you can't worry about APR as a coach anymore because players are going to be transferring year after year after year. And that's why you don't hear the NCAA people talking about APR anymore because they know that because the rules they put in place, they really eliminated the student athlete part of things at this point, in, in my opinion. And I think it all started, you know, back when, you know, ESPN, a lot of people used to say, well, coaches can leave anytime and go wherever they want. Players should be able to. And that was the biggest lie being told. You know, coaches didn't get to go just whenever they want to. Coaches have to buy your contract out if you're going to go somewhere. You don't just get to up and leave. Even assistant coaches that are making a lot of money and have contracts, you know, they've got to buy that contract out if they're going to go to another team somewhere. Players now are transferring with no repercussions, and it's hurting their teammates when they leave. It's hard to build a team, a team chemistry, all those type of things. Um, it's made the job really difficult, especially for a group of five teams, I think, and, and teams like in Iowa State, and it's a power conference team, but they have to – you know, they're not going to get the marquee players all the time either, but they're really good year in, year out because they have a good plan. They build teams really well, but now that's becoming harder for even teams like them. We've got uh, Doug Martin on the line with us here was uh one time offensive coordinator at ECU when uh, the pirates were scoring all kinds of points, uh, head coach, at Kent state head coach at uh, New Mexico state. Uh, and uh, his, uh, had quite a career in college football and a really fascinating one in a lot of ways. I want to get back to Julian Edelman and uh, your relationship with him in, in, in just a bit. But, you know, when, when you talk about landscape, and I look at a place where you were at New Mexico State where it's it's already hard enough to win, that, that just seemed like an incredibly difficult kind of uh, a job in some respects. But um, hey, kudos to you for the for the work that you all, that you and your staff did there. But now... Um, we, I mean, you, you mentioned in Iowa State, even if you are in uh, the, the so-called P5 now, uh, with what is about to happen with the Big Ten and, and may or may not happen inevitably with the SEC, uh, boy, that just seems to, to create this bigger chasm as far as the haves and have-nots go. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right, Patrick. And the NIL thing was designed to create separation again between – power conference and group of five and inadvertently because I don't think everybody really looked at the ramifications of what, what it was going to cause. It's also causing separation between P five teams, P conference teams themselves, you know, so you have uh, 
you know, Ole Miss in the SEC. I was happy to watch Lane Kiffin talking on the SEC media days, and he was talking about he wanted a salary cap on those NIL money. Well, he wants that because he can't compete with Alabama and Texas A&M and all those teams that are going to be paying unbelievable money to those players. And he sees that separation already starting. So, yeah, it's – I mean, there's some real problems coming with that. I, you know, I worry about things that people hadn't thought about, like these players, they're going to pay taxes on that money. Right. Now, how many of these young men are really prepared or are being prepared to handle that? And, I, yeah, I think there's really some things that are going to come down the road that um, really haven't been looked at very well. We've got uh, Coach Martin on here with us. It's interesting, the, the New Mexico State journey, as it goes from independent to Sunbelt back to independent. Um, I mean, and, and never mind being in the Sun Belt now or in Conference USA or, or the American. I have to imagine, I mean, look, what BYU did, they, they took that chance. Now, BYU is a little different situation. But I, to me, it's just, I mean, it's really done some harm to UMass football. Uh, I don't know how Connecticut is going to survive. You know, Liberty's done okay with it, but you know, is that long-term a possibility? Everybody's chasing that uh, Notre Dame concept as far as independence, it, it seems like. But then that's a spe- very special circumstance. Even Army's a special circumstance. It just it just seems like that's a even harder road to, to, to take, you know, than, than being if you're in, you know, the Mountain West or something. Yeah, you, you can't really survive as an independent in group of five football, especially I mean, because you need, you need a TV market. You need bowl tie-ins. Uh, you know, you need all those types of things. You need a recruiting footprint, an area, a geographic area where maybe a conference is, is lying where you can go in and recruit. So that was one of the things that was really difficult in New Mexico State. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, you definitely don't start out your head coaching career saying, I want to be the head coach at Kent State and New Mexico State. <laughs> no, nobody says that, right? Those are literally the two hardest programs to win at in the United States, I promise you. And uh, you know, we were fortunate enough we got both of them bowl eligible. But I think, you know, the difference is, you know, when we won at New Mexico State and then I go in and talk to the president and the AD afterwards and there was no plan to, to really invest in football still. You know, right. They just wanted right. to stay like it was. And that's when, you know, you have no chance if, if they're going to say that. If you get to the first bowl game in 57 years and not going to, you know, increase things, then, you know, you have no chance. And that was what was great about East Carolina. East Carolina, to me, is one of the best group of five places because it's always had vision. The leaders have always had vision there for football and what it can do for the university, what it can do for the community. And, I mean, just look at how that city has changed since I was there. I mean, it's a whole new place and a lot of that has to do with the football and the plan for football and the success they've had. Um, um, gonna, I want to get your thoughts on ECU this year, if, if you have any, and uh, talk a little bit about some of the other things. And, of course, Julian Edelman also. But uh, just really quick, you go from the mid-'90s kind of uh, taking over that OC role until the end of the, of the Logan era, if you will, and the type of things that – you and Steve Logan were doing on offense were ahead of their time. Everybody started to do them, and, and obviously, you know, college football's kind of morphed, I, I think, from that incarnation to what we have now offensively. But, uh, boy, that was that was really innovative for its time. You know, it really was. You know, Steve was doing the air raid offense before anybody knew what the air raid offense was, you know, and 
Uh, I, everything I know offensive football, I really took from Steve, and, and especially coaching a quarterback. He was one of the most phenomenal quarterback coaches uh, that I was ever around. So he, everything that I did with quarterbacks after him uh, came from him. And uh, I was fortunate to be with him. We had a great staff. I mean, there was – I was looking the other night, there were ten coaches that came off of Steve's staff that ended up being head coaches. And wow. four of us were fortunate enough to get teams in bowl games. And two of them were NFL head coaches, Lovey Smith and Chuck Pagano. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot of really good coaches came through there during my time. And uh, it was a lot of fun. East Carolina was one of the most fun places to coach. The, the two places I loved the most was East Carolina and Boston College. And my coaching career those two were phenomenal places. Doug Martin is the guest. We're going to have more with him on the other side of this timeout on the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Special day today, Doug Martin, one-time ECU offensive coordinator, uh, was the head man at uh, Kent State, also a gentleman who is, uh, really had one of the toughest jobs in the country, New Mexico State. He was there for a number of seasons. He's with us uh, today on the program. We're talking college ball, uh, the game on the field and off the field. Let's uh, get to some on-the-field stuff. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, your, just your thoughts going into the season on East Carolina. Yeah, I always keep up with East Carolina just because, you know, I loved it so much and knew we'd be back here. And I think they've done a tremendous job. And this is a really big year for them. You know, when you get to the program to where you're in a bowl game, you have a winning season, that next year being able to reproduce it and get there again, that's what, you know, starts that continuity and starts the recruiting base and all those type of things. So this is a big year for them. Yeah, I think there's a few things you can look at that'll tell you uh, if they're going to be able to get there or not. I know – uh, Holton Naylor's is a really talented quarterback and, and had a good year last year. He threw 18 touchdowns and 10 interceptions last year. And those are okay numbers, especially the interceptions. But for them to get to where they want to go, nine and 10 wins, you're going to see his touchdown passes are going to get up in the mid twenties. You know, if he can get to 25, 26 touchdown passes, uh, then they're going to look to win more games and, and his game management is going to become really important. And East Carolina has always been like this, like when I was there, you know, you're going to play close games. Mm -hmm. you know, they played seven games last year that were decided by one score or less, seven points or less. We won four of them, which is good. If they're going to win those next three, it's going to be a lot about him and how well they throw the football because, you know, not only, you know, do you have to come behind and throw the football well, but if when you have a lead, a close lead, you know, you've got to be able to throw the football to keep the ball away from the other team and run the clock out. You can't just all the time run the ball. And I think having the confidence in a quarterback to trust him in that situation and for him to handle the game management like that, those are big things. And uh, so I think finishing games and that type of stuff, if they can learn to do that, then they've got a chance to win a lot of football games. You know, uh, it also starts, as you know very well, up front, uh, one of the oldest rats in the barn – so to speak, uh, is a guy that you know very well, too, in, in uh, Coach Shank, Steve Shankweiler. And I, and I remember when, you know, Coach Houston brought Shank in uh, when he got here a few years ago. And even after that first year, 
you could see the position and talent upgrades that you know they were making. Shank was saying all along, no, this is gonna, this is not a overnight quick bake in his position. In other words, he had to develop guys. He had to get the right guys in and then develop them. And it's a mixture of guys that have been in the program and guys that have come from other programs. But in other words, it was just interesting to me, not saying that he wasn't bringing in talent, but he knew he had to build the offensive line. It wasn't a quick fix. Yeah, there's no question. That that area takes time. And East Carolina is blessed, I'll tell you this, to have Steve Shankweiler as the offensive line coach. You know, we, we were struggling at a time, um, you know, in 97, and then we brought Shank back and it changed our football team, changed us up front. We became a much more physical team. He's one of the best fundamental coaches that I was ever around. I've been around some really good offensive line coaches. He's one of the best I've ever been around. So they're going to be a good team up front and they'll be able to run the football. And they got really good running backs back there too, which is, again, that's going to enhance what the quarterback's going to be able to do as far as pushing the ball down the field and maybe enhancing that touchdown number I was talking about. You know, mm-hmm. if you can run the ball effectively and you can make safeties get down there in the box and have to play some run support, then you have a chance to throw the ball over people's heads off play action. And that's where I think, you know, they're going to have to improve a little bit and do a little bit more and uh, get those touchdown numbers up. We got uh, Coach Doug Martin on the line with us here. He uh, was at New Mexico State for a number of years as the head coach, as many Pirate fans know, who have uh, followed his career. And uh, Coach is uh, living the good life down in uh, Carteret County uh, for this season and uh, enjoying his time down there. I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, just, you know, who who do you like this year? I I know it's crazy to – go out on a limb and pick Alabama or Clemson or, or Ohio state. But I mean, who, who are some teams you think have a chance to kind of vie for that, uh, those four playoff spots? Yeah. I and mean, you know, a lot of times you see the same teams in there, obviously Alabama, Clemson, those guys are going to be there, but some of the other teams that are probably worth mentioning, you know, Texas A&M, they're going to make a run. You know, you can see them getting better, better and better. Um, you know, Georgia's obviously going to be there again. Uh, but some teams like uh, in Oklahoma, I could still see making a run. You know, USC is going to get good in a hurry with Lincoln Riley and what they can do offensively if they have, you know, the, the people around that he needs right now. You can see them getting to be a pretty good football team again. So yeah, th- there'll be one team that will surprise you, and then it will kind of be the same old guys, uh, probably three or three of those. If you were the czar of college football and you had a control over how to – how to do the playoff? Would you leave it like it is? Would you expand it to six? Would you expand it to eight, 12, 16? What would you, what would, and, and ever how many you expand it by? How do you handle AQs versus at large? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think you definitely want to expand it and I think you want to make it inclusive. You know, what, what is one of the best sporting events every year that everybody gets all wrapped up in? It's March Madness. You know, and, and why is it? It's not because Duke or Carolina are going to win it every year. It's because anybody can win it. And every year there's some small team that makes a run and Cinderella, and that's the big news and what gets everybody so excited. Football has always, I mean, always been against that. You know, in Boise State, back when they made their run, they scared the heck out of the powers <laughs> that be. Right. They, they literally did because they almost got it, right? Cincinnati almost got it. And, you know, they don't want that I mean, for whatever reason. But I think you need to make those teams inclusive and get them involved in it. 
so that somebody like that can make a run. That's good for college football. It's good for football in general. Uh, and I think it's good for all the young men that are playing football to know that they all have a chance. And uh, so I would like to see it. If they're going to keep you down this road, I'd like to see it expand. I'd like to see every, each conference at least get one team in. You, Your conference champion ought to be in, no matter what conference you're in. Yeah. And look, there's enough spots to, to generate that interest in the Cinderella thing. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that would, that would really make it kind of next level exciting. It really would, it would inevitably create a little more parody uh, in the sport. I, I think it would just by the fact that everybody knows they've got a chance. No question. No question. I think it definitely would. I, you know, I, I worry about where it's going with, you know, the super conference thing. I can see that coming where teams are going to separate from the NCAA and, you know, form their own deal. And then you're going to have some other power conference. And then the group of five is really going to struggle if that happens. So I I hope that that doesn't go that way. I'd rather see it, you know, go the way we're talking about here. Before we let you get back out and uh, cast a line or two here, uh, let me, let me ask you a little about uh, you're involved uh, is, is someone to talk, I guess one of the talking heads or interview subjects on something that the NFL network has done or is doing on Julian Edelman. Yeah. You know, this is great for Julian. Uh, he's, uh, the football life, you know, series that the NFL, uh, channel does. They're going to do one on Julian Edelman of football life. And so I'm uh, going to be interviewed for that down here for long. There we come in the next couple of weeks to do that interview and it couldn't be more well-deserved. Julian Edelman is one of the greatest kids I've ever been around and one of the most grateful kids I've ever been around. You know, like I said, we were the only school to offer him a scholarship and uh, he changed our program. And we, we had a winning season, bowl eligible his first year at Kent state, Kent state had, you know, traditionally been a really bad football program, but he changed the mentality of our team and not just athletically, but in, but his mentality, you know, I always tell people, you know, players always ask me, what about Julian Adam? Why is he the way he is? How did he be so good? Julian, he, it was more important for him to win. It was more important for him to be great and excel than it was to be liked. And, Patrick, what I mean by that was he wasn't afraid to jump on his teammates if they weren't doing things the way they were supposed to be done. His leadership style, he was very aggressive. And he wasn't necessarily liked by everybody on the team, but he was respected by everybody on the team. And that's how he changed our program. And I've never been around another player, I don't think, that had the ability that he had like that and played with a chip on his shoulder. And, uh, you know, obviously played quarterback for me at Kent State and had phenomenal numbers. I had Josh Cribbs before Julian. Josh went on the NFL and had a great career, and Julian broke all of Josh's records. And so, you know, just a tremendous player. And one of the things I love about Julian is his gratitude. You know, if I picked up the phone right now, he'd answer. And, you know, he talks to my wife a lot and he's part of our family. And he's just always been so grateful of the opportunity that we gave him. Uh, but he earned everything he got. And he's just a special young man. Obviously, he was uh, the MVP of the Super Bowl. Uh, what was the 2019 Super Bowl? L-I-I-I uh, was, the, uh, was the Super Bowl. But, I mean, that that for you had to be kind of – gratifying too that there he was the MVP of 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 that Super Bowl oh no no question and and nobody I think could foresee what Julian was going to become um but I know when they were getting ready for the draft and those type of things coach Belichick actually called me and asked about him and the only thing I told him was I said coach I'm just telling you I don't know 
you know, what you're going to play him at, wide receiver, DB, what you're going to do. Uh, but he's going to make your team, and he'll end up starting. And, and you know, of course, Julian made everything else happen. But, right. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for him. He's earned everything he got, and he's just a special kid. And uh, those are the good stories, you know, when you see a young man like that come through your program and excel. And for him to go from being a quarterback to go and play wide receiver in the NFL and have to change positions and learn all those new things is even more a testament to, you know, his – commitment and, and that stuff to be the best player he could be uh great to catch up with doug martin here we really appreciate it i uh, hope to get a chance to talk to you again soon patrick is great man i appreciate it big thanks to doug martin uh joining us what a treat to have him on today i uh, hope to get a chance to talk to him uh in the future down the road uh thanks also to intern abby and ben big baby byram uh we really appreciate it we're all trying to get in that boom boom room baby Uh, Back tomorrow from the Working Man's Beach. I'll see you in the morning on Talk of the Town on 103.7 and 96.3 and related outlets. Have a great rest of your evening.